0: so very thankful for that. That song is so powerful um, that we just sang because it comes straight from the Word of God. That's actually the high priestly blessing that was given in Numbers chapter 6. Let me just read that to you real quick. Numbers 6, verse number 24. The Bible says, The Lord bless thee and keep thee, and the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And so, folks, when we're we're singing that song, you are singing the very Word of God. Can you say amen? There's power in that. And and then we, um, sometimes we say amen, and then sometimes we sing amen. Now, I'll say amen to that, and let me tell you what it means when we say amen. Amen um, means let it be so. And so, uh, hey, listen, if we're talking about God making His face to shine upon me, to lift up His countenance upon me, to bless my family, to bless my children, to do His work in my life, to for His favor to be upon me and mine, I'm going to say Amen to that every day. Amen. <laughs> I'll even sing. I can't even sing, and I'll sing Amen to that. So uh, I, I love that song. Thank you, brother, for that. Great job as always. I So appreciate your ministry. Everybody, take your Bibles and go back with me to John chapter number fourteen this morning. If if you haven't begun praying for these services, uh, please do so now. If you haven't prayed for your pastor, please pray for me now. As you might have uh, recognized, as I was walking up here, uh, I fell off my deck last night, and I think uh, I've done something to my ankle. I'm telling you, it's uh, it's hurting pretty bad. I went to step off uh, yesterday evening. We've been sitting out there just enjoying a pretty pretty day with the family, and man, when I went to step off my my deck. I stepped on a stepping stone, and then it first rolled, and then my ankle rolled, and then I kept rolling right on out in the yard. So uh, it was uh, it was quite an experience. And man, I'm still not over it today. I don't know what's going on there. I think me and Brother Chad uh, is going to run a foot race after church. So if anybody wants to. So- <laughs> Me and him both having trouble with their foot this morning. So uh, pray for us when you pray. John chapter number 14 is where we're going to start this morning. Um, And we're going to try to, again, finish what we started last week. Now, if we are ignorant of the person and work of God the Holy Spirit, we'll never be what God has saved us to be. Can't happen. If we are ignorant of the person and the work of God the Holy Spirit, We will never have victory over temptation. We'll never have victory over addiction. We'll never have victory, uh, folks, this morning over doubt and fear if we are ignorant of the person and work of God the Holy Spirit. If we are ignorant of God the Holy Spirit, we'll never be a conqueror. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 8 that we are more than conquerors. If you believe that this morning, say amen. But you cannot conquer, and I cannot conquer. We can't be overcomers if we are ignorant of the person and work of God the Holy Spirit. I told you last week, I can't be the husband God wants me to be, or the father God wants me to be, or the pastor God wants me to be, or or the, the soul winner God wants me to be. I can't be any of that if I'm ignorant of the person and work of God the Holy Spirit. And you can't either. And so it's vital. It's necessary. Again, it's not incidental, this truth I'm going to share with you. This is fundamental truth that is foundational to everything we believe and do as the body of Christ. As we are His hands and we are His feet. And so this morning, you must understand the person and work of, of God the Holy Spirit. So we're again going to look back at John chapter number 14. We're going to see straight from God's absolute truth, His precious Word, who God the Holy Spirit... Now what have we learned so far? We've learned, first of all, last week, if you remember, that the Holy Spirit is not an it, but a he. If you believe that, say in his form. He exudes emotion. Therefore, he has a personality. And if he has a personality, then we know he is truly a person. A person that is known that can be known to all who trust in Jesus as savior god god the holy spirit is not only a person but he is God. He's a member of the Holy Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. What the Bible teaches about God is that He is triune in nature. And this God who is triune in nature has revealed Himself to us in three distinct personalities. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There is distinction in the Holy Trinity, but there's not a ranking order in the Holy Trinity. Listen, they are all three God all three should be worshiped they are one god let's do now That reveals Himself in three distinct. And I told you last week... Listen, I know that's hard for us to wrap our mind around... And I still haven't got my mind all wrapped around it... And I probably never will... I gave you the quote from Dr. Uh, Charles Spurgeon... He said to try and explain the Holy Trinity... You'd lose your mind... But listen to the last part of that quote... I didn't give that to you last week... The last part of that quote goes like this... He said if you try and explain the Holy Trinity... You would lose your mind... But if you explain it away... You'll lose your soul. Because it takes the work of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit for salvation to be made real to every believer. Like we said before, God, planned, God the Father planned salvation. God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, He paid for or purchased our salvation at the cross. Listen to me now. And God the Holy Spirit is the one who completely and totally performs salvation in the believer's heart life. How I many know salvation is a work of God the Holy Spirit? He convicts us. He baptizes us into the body of Christ. He fills us so that we might be used of the Lord. So that we might be controlled by Him. So that our plans are, are not what we go by, but His plans. So that he can lead God and direct us to be all that God has then saved us to be. So, salvation is truly a work of God, the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to understand and know, not only is He God, not only uh, is, is He the one who performs salvation in our life, but, but I, there's also four other things that we began talking about last time that the Lord Jesus makes clear to us in John 14, 15, 16, and 17, in what's called the Upper Room Discourse. These are the last words that Jesus spoke to His disciples right before He went to the cross. So it's very important that His disciples today hear these last final words, these final instructions. And so really what He's saying to His disciples then and to us here this morning is that, look, I'm going back to the Father, but when I go back, I'm not going to leave you alone. How many of you this morning are thankful that the Bible promises He never leaves nor forsakes us? And He doesn't. He didn't forsake them disciples either. He made the promise in John 14. Starting in verse number 15, He said, If you love Me, keep My commandments, and I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another Comforter, and that He may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him, but you know Him, for He dwelleth with you, watch this now, and shall be in you. So we said the first word that Jesus makes plain to us, uh, to His disciples then and to His disciples now, in John 14, is that the Holy Spirit comes to restore the presence of Jesus. He goes on to say in in John chapter number 16, verse number 8, He said, it's expedient that I go away. It's necessary. It's needful. Matter of fact, it's better that I go away for if I don't go away, then the Holy Spirit cannot come. Why is it Expedient? Why is it needful? Why is it necessary? Why would it be better for Jesus to go back to the Father so the Holy Spirit could come? I want you you think about this? Do you remember in John chapter number 11 when Jesus was here in His earthly ministry? When He was physically walking upon this earth? He was out preaching about the kingdom and there was a person who came to Him from Bethany, from the home of Mary, Martha, And Lazarus. Do you remember what they said to him? They said, look, Lazarus is sick and he's about to die. And if you don't do something, if you don't get there quick, he's going to die. Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death, but so that God might be glorified. And he sent them on their way. And then the Bible says, he abode still two days in that very place. And then he made his way to Bethany. He got there and just what the person had warned of had happened. Lazarus had died and Lazarus was now in the tomb and had been in the tomb four days. Martha comes running up to Jesus as soon as he comes on the scene. You know what she said? Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. What was she saying? You couldn't be there where you were. And here at the same time, therefore, my brother has died. And she was right. As far as as long as Jesus was walking around in human flesh, he couldn't be in two places at once. He was limited to being only in one specific location. But now, watch this. If the Bible is saying here that the Holy Spirit will be with us and the Holy Spirit will be in us, isn't that what it's saying? Didn't Paul say in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 7 that we have this treasure in earthen vessels? The treasure being the person of God, the Holy Spirit dwelling in the believer? Does the Bible not say in the book of Colossians that it's Christ in us or in you, the believer, the hope of glory? Now what does that mean? Now Jesus is not limited to any specific location. See right here this morning. If you're here this morning. And you are a child of God. You've placed your faith in Christ. Been blood bought. Born again into God's family. You need to understand. That God the Holy Spirit dwells in you. You have that treasure. In earthen vessels. But I've met some other brothers and sisters. From all over the world. I've met a. Brother down in Havana, Cuba, by the name of Anya Nunez. Many of you have met Pastor Anya, great man of God. I love that brother with all my heart. Let me tell you something. Right now, in Havana, Cuba, the Holy Spirit of God, Jesus, is dwelling in Anya Nunez in the person of the Holy Spirit. We have met another brother over in Costa Rica. Y'all remember Brother Jose Prada? Brother Jose came and actually spoke in our church back in the summer. Right now in Costa Rica, right now this morning, God the Holy Spirit, the person of Jesus is dwelling in, Pastor Jose. We met brothers and sisters in Nicaragua. We met brothers and sisters in Haiti. We met brothers and sisters from all over the world. And right now, God is working in us. God is working through us right here in Hamilton, Alabama. But He's also working in Cuba. Listen, He's working in Costa Rica. He's working in Nicaragua. How do you even know this morning? God is at work in this world through His people, man how exciting it is to be a part of the kingdom of God. Why? Because the body of Christ is growing. The body of Christ is alive. The body of Christ is working. The body of Christ is making a difference. For we are now His hands and His feet operating by His power in this world so that we might make a difference for the kingdom of God. This is all because of the Holy Spirit restoring the presence of Jesus in each and every believer. Wherever Christians are, the Holy Spirit is. Amen? It's amazing. I love this. Not only does He restore the presence of Jesus in each and every believer's life, He also represents who Jesus is to us. Or He teaches us who Jesus is. He shows us the, uh, just exactly who Christ is and what Christ wants. Everybody take your Bibles and go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, just a moment. 1 Corinthians 2. I want us to look down at verse number 9. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 9. Watch what the Bible says there. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for, him, for them that love him. Now, I know that you, just like me, have probably always read and understood that verse to mean we don't even have a clue of what God has planned in heaven for us. Now there is some truth to that. I I agree with that statement. But I really don't, and and listen, I can't wait to see what God has in store for me in heaven. Whatever it is going to be good. He who loves me most knows me best. And He knows exactly what I stand in need of throughout all eternity. And all of that's going to be made real for me in heaven. So I'm looking forward to that. And there's certainly truth that we don't even have a a clue of what's going to be in heaven for us. But, But I don't think that's exactly what it's meaning here. If you read it in context, and you read the next verse. You'll see what I'm talking about. It says in verse 9 again, but as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear, heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Now look at verse 10, though. But God hath, that's present tense, God hath revealed them unto us. How? By spirit. By spirit. He's not talking about something we're going to see in the future. He's talking about something that the Holy Spirit wants to show us now. Present tense. It says the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. The Holy Spirit searches out the deep things, discerns the deep things, and then makes those deep things known unto every believer as he represents who Jesus is. Matter of fact, you will never know all you can know about Jesus unless you get it from God the Holy Spirit. You've heard me say it before. I'm going to keep saying it, folks. I love to preach the truth of the Word of God. I'd rather preach than eat when I was hungry. I enjoy it. I know it's what God's called me to. But I've come to realize I can preach truth, but only God the Holy Spirit can impart truth. I'm amazed sometimes. People will leave the service and they'll tell me something i said. They say, Brother, listen, that really blessed my heart. And I'm sitting there thinking, I didn't say that. And I'll go back through my notes. So a lot of times I'll write out my sermons and I'll, I'll go back through and, and look at, at what I've wrote down. I mean, like, I didn't write that down. I didn't say that. I wish I had said it. <laughs> Sometimes I think that, you know. I may not say, I, I really don't sound like something I'd say, but it's, it's good, I wish I would have said it. But you know what I think's happening in those times? When you've got your ear in tune with what God has for you, when you've got your spiritual ears open and ready to listen, I thank God the Holy Spirit is speaking to you in those moments what you mean. And I'll say this too. If anything good does good does come from the words that come out of my mouth, it's not because Ezra Price gave it to you. It's because God the Holy Spirit chooses to do His work. I just try not to get in His way. That's what I want to do. I don't want to get in His way. I want to be Spirit-filled and Spirit-led. Amen? So, the Holy Spirit represents who Jesus is. To each and every believer. He teaches us. Look in John 15. Jesus says it there. John 15 verse number 26. Watch how he puts it. But when the comforter is come. Whom I will send to you from the Father. Even the spirit of truth. Which proceeds from the Father. Watch what he says. He shall testify of me. Go from there over to John 16. John 16, verse number 13. How many of you did your homework this week and read John 14, 15, 16, and 17? Anybody? You don't have to raise your hand. I ain't going to embarrass you. But if you didn't, let's read it next week. Amen? Let's get on that next week. John 14, 15, 16, and 17. That is at least four days of great quiet time material for each and every one of us. Now look what he says. John 16. Look down at verse number 13. Watch this. How be it, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Wow. So he's saying to his disciples, The Holy Spirit is going to teach you everything you need to know about who I am and what I'm doing, what I want to do. You see what's necessary? For us to be led by the Spirit of God. Because it's only the Spirit of God who knows, discerns the deep things of God. And He teaches them to the believer. So if there's one prayer, I want you to be praying that, Lord, let our church be Spirit-led. If you want to pray a prayer for your pastor, let Brother Ezra be Spirit-led. I want to make sure that what God wants is what we receive. Amen? Amen? He represents who Jesus is to each and every one of us. Not only does He restore the presence of Jesus and represents who Jesus is to the believer, but God the Holy Spirit also, listen to me now, this is very important, He recalls the promises that Jesus makes. That's what he told them uh, right here in John chapter 6, start, John chapter 14, verse number 26. Not 16, 26, but 14, 26. Watch what it says. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I've said to you. So Jesus says to his disciples, you know, there's a lot of times he'd be, he'd be teaching them something. They just, they just wouldn't get it. They just wouldn't understand it. It wouldn't make any sense to them. And, and, and I think what Jesus is saying here. Look, he's going to teach you and call back to remembrance a lot of the things I've already said. And then it's going to be made real to you. you got to remember, Jesus hadn't finished his work yet. Jesus hadn't conquered the grave yet. Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet. Jesus hadn't done all this yet. And so a lot of the things that he was trying to teach them was very hard for them to understand just by their own human intellect, logic, and reason. And so now he's saying, look, when the time comes, the Holy Spirit, after all this is said and done, after i finished the plan of redemption for all of mankind, He's going to start bringing back to your remembrance. He's going to cause you to recall all those promises, all that truth that I've been preaching these last three and a half years that I've been with you. Now, God the Holy Spirit certainly recalls the promises of God to them, or He did, but He also does that for us. Let me give you a great verse. Look in uh, the book of Luke. Luke chapter 12, brother, if you will, please put this on the screen, verses 11 and 12. Luke 12, 11 and 12. Jesus, again, speaking to disciples. Now, what's a disciple? Somebody tell me. It's a follower of Christ. Now, I know what you may be thinking, because I've thought it myself. I've said it myself. Man, I wish I could have been. Uh, there with Jesus when He walked upon the earth. I mean, I wish I could have saw Him heal blinded eyes. I wish I could have saw Him heal deaf ears. I wish I could have saw Him cast out demons and walk on water. And I wish I could have experienced that time spent with Him like Peter and James and John and Matthew and all those guys did. I wish I could have walked (coughs) day by day with the Lord. Let me tell you this. Because God the Holy Spirit restores the presence of Jesus into the heart and life of every believer. We can walk with Jesus each and every day. We can see Him work and bless and change lives. We can be a part of what He's doing in the earth as we become His hands, His feet, and His body. We can make a difference, listen to me now, by His power. Why? Because He's restored His presence by the person of the Holy Spirit. And then in Luke chapter 11 it says, And when they bring you into the synagogues and into magistrates and powers, take, take ye no thought of how or what thing ye shall answer or what ye shall say. For the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what you ought to say. I love that verse. He said, He's going to bring to your mind exactly what you stand in need of in that moment. Can I say this to you? God the Holy Spirit's never failed. You. Do you remember me telling you that if you will make yourself available, God will use you for his honor and his glory? Anybody in here scared to death about witnessing sharing your faith? I guess I'm the only one. Yeah. All of us struggle with that somewhat. Why? Well, first of all, we realize the importance of it. And we realize the importance of sharing truth that changes lives. And listen, we realize that what we say can have an impact on someone's eternity. So you know what? I don't want to tell them wrong. We realize the importance of what we're sharing, but we also realize the responsibility of sharing it. And so that can be a very heavy weight for us to carry, and we can walk around terrified that we're going to say the wrong thing, so we just don't say nothing. Well, that's exactly what the enemy wants. And when we choose to say nothing, do nothing for the kingdom of God because of our fear, then then we're certainly not accomplishing the purpose we've been saved for in the first place, are we? I'm glad of this. I'm glad of this. Every time I've stood before someone, God has been faithful to give me what I need in that moment. I am not telling you that I've always had the right answers. Or all the answers. Matter of fact, sometimes I just say, I don't know. Not wrong with saying that. I don't know. Because guess what? None of us need to be so arrogant and prideful that we think we got it all figured out. If you don't know, just say you don't know blabber on and try to make up an answer that makes no sense you can do a a whole lot more harm than good with that stuff just say I don't know but let me tell you what I do know I know Jesus changed me I know he's been real in my life I know I trusted by grace through faith in Christ and I've been born again I know he's with me every step of the way I know He gives me peace that passes all understanding. I know He gives me joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. I know He's put a brand new purpose in my heart and a desire to serve Him. I know that. God has never failed me to give me what I need in those moments. Have you ever thought about this? I read the um, Fox's Book of Martyrs. If you've never read that, that would be a great, great devotional for all of us to read. We've got it in our church library. You can download it in a lot of places free of charge. Fantastic book. But I see these stories of these great men and women of God, champions of the faith, who die by burning at the stake, or being beheaded, or being fed to wild animals, And with their last breath, they are still preaching the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They've been in prison. Their families have been taken away from them. And still, with their last breath, they're preaching the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's lazy. And I ask myself, what if I was at the stake and they were putting the wood around my feet? What if I was headed to the chopping block to lay my head down? What if they were marching me into the arena to be killed by lions and tigers and wild animals? What what if that was me? Would I still have the courage, spiritual boldness, to preach the gospel to the very end? Because guess what? All a lot of those folks had to do was just renounce Jesus. shut up. Stop preaching Christ. And they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it because they knew what God had done for them. How real He was. And I asked myself, would I be that way? Well, I'll tell you this. I'm standing on Luke chapter 12, verses 11 and 12. I can't say what I would do or what I wouldn't do in that moment. But I can say this. God will always do his part. He will give us the spiritual boldness, the courage to say what needs to be said when it needs to be said, what needs to be spoken. Isn't that good? He recalls or causes us to recall the promises that Jesus made. So he restores the presence of Jesus, he represents Jesus to the believer. He recalls the promises of Jesus, but let me say say something else. He also releases the power of God through us. Acts chapter number one. Everybody turn over there and we're done. Acts chapter one, verse number three. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should go depart from Jerusalem. But watch this. I don't know if it's in your Bible, I hope it is, but in my Bible, these are red letters. Everybody know what the red letters mean, don't you? This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, Wait for the promise of the Father. Which saith he, ye have heard of me; For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not many days hence. See, what is happening in Acts chapter 1 is a fulfillment of the promise Jesus made in John 14, 15, 16, and 17. But well, we've been studying. So he said, you wait for the promise. Now, now wait a minute. We've got a church to start. We've got a gospel to preach. We've got to go and tell people what you've done. You've conquered the grave. We've got to go let them know. Jesus said, wait. But Lord, we've got mission trips to go on. Listen, there's people out here that needs to be healed. There's people that's hungry that need to be fed. We've got work to do. Jesus said, wait. Wait for what? Wait for the promise. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his power. But ye shall receive, watch this now, power. Everybody say power. power. Now, let me tell you what this word power in the Greek is. It's the word dunamis. Does that sound familiar to you? It's the same word we get the English word dynamite from. Same word. Anybody ever had any experience with dynamite? Anybody ever any any experience with, with uh, these explosives? If you haven't, come next Sunday evening. Because we're going to have a firework show here that's going to rival what they do at Disney World. whole lot of dynamite. whole lot of big explosions. You'll see all that. Let me tell you what I know about Dynamite. And, and let, me get, let me give you my, my best two days ever working for the highway department. Best two days I've ever had. But Steve Davis was my supervisor for, uh, uh, God, about how long? Steve, 20 years, just about, close to it. And um, I remember he, he come in one morning, or I did. I, I walked into his office. He says to me, uh, you need to go and meet um, a man from the, uh, what, what is that called? National Wildlife, the Wildlife Federation or some, somebody he was with. Anyway, he was hired by the national wildlife people, federal, federal people, to, to come and blow up beaver dams. And he said, I want you to take him to all these beaver dams in Marion and Winston County and, and show him where he, where he needs to go. He said, you just stay with him for the next two days. And so for the next two days, I'm telling you, it's the greatest two days of my life. All we did is went around and blow up stuff. It's amazing. We get over to Highway 13. I'll never forget it. There was a beaver down there. No kidding. 13 feet tall. It was built around the culvert. I actually stood in the bottom of the culvert, wrenched up as far as I could, and, and, and I was still about half again with my arms stretched out t- to the top of this beaver down. It was amazing. I've never seen nothing like it. had this pond completely stopped up, no drainage whatsoever, so the water was rising, about to get in the roadway, matter of fact, and so we, it was going to blow that beaver down out. And we get down that hole, and, and for the le- for the day before that first day, I was watching all that he was doing, seeing what he was putting in there. Uh, he was using um, tannery, which is you know just about like dynamite, I guess, but very explosive. I know that. So he, he's putting all these sticks in there and wiring it all up, and he even letting me wire up a few of you know with it, having a good time talking back and forth. And, and he put three in this beaver dam. He's like, you think that's enough? No, I don't think that's enough. (laughs) He said, well, how many more do you think we need? I said, man, I'd say at least three or four. He said, go get three or four? I crawl out of the hole, go back to the truck, man, get three or four more. We stick seven of these Tannerite sticks in this one beaver dam. And we crawl out of the hole, go a long ways back. He sets this thing off. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. It changed the whole landscape (laughs) of the shoulder of the highway. It's amazing. Have you ever been been so excited and scared at the same time? That's how it was when I seen that thing blow up. Because we were there by ourselves. Had no traffic control. Had no machine to get anything out of the road. And when that thing blew up, it blew mud and sticks and probably beavers. (laughs) All the way across Highway 13. There's stuff everywhere. So I called Steve. I said, man, we're going to need something down here on 13. Because it had pretty much shut down all traffic. I mean, it changed the landscape of the whole place. That's power. That's dynamite or dunamis. Jesus said, you better wait for the Holy Spirit. Because he has the power necessary to change things. Can't go by yourself. Can't work in your power. At least you can't be effective in your power. You can work really hard in your own power and get nowhere. But you can't be effective without the power. The person. The work of the Holy Spirit. And he says this to him. He says, But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and in the uttermost parts of the earth. (laughs) Jesus said, wait, the promise is coming. And when it gets here, he's going to release his power in you, through you, so that you might be the witness God wants you to be. This is the person and work of God the Holy Spirit. Do you know me?" Have you been born again? Is He dwelling in you? If you have any question of that this morning, you don't have to. You can be sure today. The Bible says in Romans chapter number 8 that if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't have Jesus. And if you're here today and you've not yet been born again and you know it, What are you waiting on? You can have a comforter, a friend, a teacher that will walk with you and talk with you a long life's weary way. Amen? That's why I keep telling you. I'm glad I'm getting to go to heaven. If there were no heaven and there were no hell, I still want to know Jesus so I can experience Him daily. So well, I can experience his peace, his joy, his love. If you know it, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, you don't. But you can today. Everybody stand together. If you need the Lord in any way this morning, these altars are always open. I know we're... Open the fellowship hall, and we don't have a a, uh, physical altar, but make this your altar. An altar is just a place where you get along with God. And men, women, boys, and girls have been kneeling at altars since the very beginning. And I want to tell you something: God can and will do what's necessary in your life this morning if you'll relinquish your will to Him. If you need me to pray with you, pray for you, man, that's always my privilege. I'd love to do that. If I can help you, I want to. These altars are open to your needs today. This is your invitation.